Thank you, Tracy. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, if you'll open to Romans chapter 15. Um, we are not jumping ahead, um, but uh, I hope this morning that by the time we're done, you'll see uh, why we chose this passage, why I chose this passage uh, to preach on. Um, we are, as we have been taking a break in uh, our study of the book of Romans, uh, we decided because we're going to have the missions event tonight that this was a really good time to, to kind of pause and have a sermon um, on missions. And so that's what we're going to do. So in a, in a minute, we'll, we'll go through uh, some of the verses here in Romans chapter 15. But one of the things that's, that's easy about preaching a sermon on missions uh, to you all is that in, in many ways, preaching on missions to this church is, is like preaching uh, to the choir. You know, it's, it's really, as I've been here, one of the things that I've seen is that missions really has become a part of the DNA of this church. And, um, you know, you all, we, uh, before my time here, uh, you all have had this great history of wrestling with what does it mean to be a church that supports global missions? What's the best way to do that? And so as, as I came in several years ago, um, that foundation had been laid and it had been laid really strong. And uh, just the other day in our elders meeting, um, some of the elders were talking about, as, as we were talking about missions and global missions, some of our elders were talking about the times in which um, they were in the elders room discussing whether or not um, they could, they had the money to support a missionary. <laughs> and now, uh, as, as you as you will see today, and, and, if, and if you go down the hallway and look at the missionaries we support and um, in, in the months ahead and years ahead, you will see that we support many missionaries at significant levels. And so so it is a it is a great privilege and uh, kind of an easy sermon to preach uh, to you all. The, the other thing that's been interesting in, in being here over the past couple of years is that since I've been here, I think I think I have met every missionary um, that we support uh, in this short period of time. We've had an influx of missionaries coming home. And one of the things that's interesting is, is I've had the privilege to meet with them one-on-one as the new guy, um, that they all say the same thing. And they all say that Signal, they consider Signal Mountain Bible Church as, as their family. They really view us as, uh, they really view themselves as one of us, that there's this real kindred spirit. And, and that is just awesome. Um, and so, uh, so I'm thankful, I'm thankful that you all have been led well by by elders who have seen the need for this and have moved forward in this, and that you all have been served well by men and women on the missions committee that have, have really forged a path forward. And, and my prayer is that this is just another mark in the road and for us to move forward. Now, um, so I want to start maybe this morning um, by talking about a, a, a common objection that I hope that our text, I hope you will be convinced from our text this morning uh, that there's no reason for this objection. But I don't know if you all have heard this, but sometimes um, when I talk about missions or when I'm in a group of people, not here, <laughs> when I'm talking about missions, somebody will ask the question, well, why support global missions? I mean, isn't there enough need here? And the answer to that question, is there enough need here, is yes. You know, one of the great things that's happened over the past two years here is that uh, before our mission strategy was lumped together, local and global missions were combined. Uh, and one of the issues that happened is that um, uh, the global, what we now call the Global Missions Committee, the Missions Committee... Um, was so involved uh, with trying to help out our global missionaries uh, that some of our local agencies, uh, uh, we, we were kind of neglecting them a little bit. And as we began to look at this problem, uh, men and women that were smarter than I am said the, the solution is not to try to find more time to help with the local missions. The, the solution is to just divide the committee. So now we have a global missions committee and a local missions committee. And so when you hear the objection, isn't there enough need here? Number one, the answer to that question is yes. And we don't look at this as an either or, but a both and. Now, 
this morning's sermon is going to be on global missions. But the other answer to that objection is this. You and I live here. And so as followers of Christ, it is our duty as we go to work, as we eat at restaurants, as we volunteer, as we see those in need around us, that we meet those needs. And we do that individually and as a church. And so what I want you to hear me say, and then we're going to shift to global missions, is that local ministry opportunities are vitally important and we are plugged into that and we want to see that area of our ministry grow as well. But this morning, this morning, I want to spend time talking about global missions. And so I hope that somewhat answers that objection that sometimes uh, comes up. So the purpose of this sermon is twofold. Number one, it's just simply to remind us of the importance of global missions. And, and there are some new faces here. You know, I'm still relatively new here. And so we want to always remind us and remind ourselves of why we are in global missions, why we support global missions. And, and I also want to, within that, um, towards the end of the sermon, want to equip you uh, with ways how we as a local church can support um, our global missionaries. Uh, and number two, uh, and this one is just near and dear uh, to my heart, is this. I, I would, our socks as elders would just be blessed off that's a good southern term, isn't it? Bless our socks off. Um, if maybe there were one or many of you here this morning that have maybe felt the call to long-term missions um, and that you haven't heeded that call, you know, just what a wonderful act of God, work of the Holy Spirit. If maybe through our emphasis on global missions this morning, that the Holy Spirit may move to just seal the deal this morning. And so that's the other maybe hope that I have. Or, or as there are many young people among us, there is no higher calling as a, as, as a proclaimer of the gospel to the nations. And so I hope that maybe even through this sermon this morning, that some of you, some of you high schoolers, some of you middle schoolers that are in here with us, um, that, that maybe that God will use this morning to shape something in your heart and in your soul uh, that, that would move you in that direction. So as we jump in and we look at um, the, the role of the church in global missions, there's no greater place in the Bible to go to than Romans chapter 15. In Romans chapter 15. In fact, in fact, I argued at the beginning of our study of the book of Romans that in many ways, um, Romans is a missionary support letter. If we go to the beginning of the, you don't have to turn here, I'll read it to you and then we'll turn back to Romans 15. But if we went to the beginning of the book of Romans, in verse 13 of chapter 1, Paul writes, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I have often planned to come to you and have been prevented so far so that I may obtain some fruit among you also, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. And then he doesn't talk about his reason for wanting to come see them again until chapter 15. And then when we get in chapter 15, listen to verses 22 through 24. For this reason, I have often been prevented from coming to you. But now with no further place for me in these regions. And since I have had for many years a longing to come to you, whenever I go to Spain, for when, when for I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on my way there by you, when I have first enjoyed your company for a while. Uh, and then he goes into, the, but for now he's going to Jerusalem. And so Paul, in writing this letter to the uh, church, or to the people, to the church here at Rome, in many ways it's a missionary support letter. He is preparing them for his journey. And uh, many authors and, and theologians point out that this is not unlike uh, what we might receive as a church from someone who is wanting to go on the mission field. We ask them to fill out an application. And uh, we should get something, maybe not as long. I don't know, Roger, if you've ever gotten something as long as the book of Romans in an application. <laughs> but we should get something like the book of Romans when we ask that question of, 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 you know, explain your ministry, explain your passion. Because as we look at the book of Romans, if you think through it, what Paul does is he lays out 
um, the, the, the power of the gospel, the reason for the necessity of the gospel. And he lays out in, in painstaking detail um, the way in which man can be reconciled to God. And then he goes on to talk about Christian living and conduct. And so Paul, in many ways, as he's introducing himself to these brothers and sisters in Rome, is preparing for them, giving them an application, if you will, so when he comes to them, they will know that when they put money and goods in his hand to support his journey to Rome, to Spain, that they are doing a good gospel work. Now, just a side note, we have no idea really whether Paul made it to Spain. There's debate everywhere, but let's just say for a moment, we know this was his intention, and so I think it gives us a good place to go. So, as Paul is writing here, and uh, uh, as Paul is, 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 is giving us the book of Romans, we really, in many ways, have a, 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 this, this support letter. And another thing that I thought about, I listened to the sermon. When Mark Sandberg was here, uh, one of the missionaries we support, and uh, as he came and encouraged us, as I listened to his sermon online, I wasn't here that day. Um, you know, I was just, as I was preparing for this sermon, I thought in many ways... That may be a message like what Paul, this kind of a modern day example of what Paul might do in Rome on his way, gathering funds to go somewhere else, is to, to deliver a message of encouragement, to depart some spiritual gifts to the body, and then to receive back um, from them on his way. And so that just hit me as I was uh, preparing. So. I'm thoroughly convinced that what we see from Romans and other writings by Paul, that there was a belief that the local church should be involved in what I'm calling global missions. And as we look at this passage, we're going to see six things about the local church and global missions. And I will say that each of these six things um, probably can and should be a sermon in and of themselves. And so maybe whenever we get to Romans 15, that's what we'll do. Um, We'll see when we get there, uh, and you all will not remember that I said that. So uh, we can decide whether we want to do that or not. So the first thing I want you to see, the first thing I want you to see from, from this passage in, in Romans chapter 15, is that the local church needs to know and to believe that global missions is the fulfilling of the promises of God. Let me say that again. The local church needs to know and believe that global missions is fulfilling the promises of God. And, and, and to see this, we, we, we just need to look at verses 8 through 13. Let me read those for you this morning. So Paul, as he's writing here, he says, For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers. And for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, therefore, I will give praise to you among the Gentiles and I will sing to your name again. He says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, there shall come the root of Jesse and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles in him shall the Gentiles hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the spirit. And what we see here is that Paul is laying out. Remember, remember, if you know your Old Testament, you know that God set aside a, a, a man. And he said that through you, I'm going to bless all nations but what God did is, is, is within that, that particularly in the New Testament, he blessed a nation, he created a nation and blessed a nation called Israel, the Jews. And so when we have Paul come on the scene in the New Testament, Paul picks up this mantle, this God-given mantle by the Holy Spirit, that salvation is not only for the Jews, but is for the, the whole world, for the Gentiles. And we see that Paul points out a couple of things here. Paul points out a couple of things. First, in verse 8, look at this. It's to confirm the promise given to the fathers. Look at verse 8 again. For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers. So he's talking about 
the, the, the patriarchs, the fathers. And as he does that, then in verse nine, he talks about for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy. That that's the promise of God is for the Gentiles, for the non-Jewish people to glorify God for his mercy. And then we see he quotes the Old Testament and notice the words as it is written. And so that Paul believed that as he was going on his way as a global missionary, as one going out from the Jewish community, Paul believed that he was part of something massive. That what, what he was called to was God's fulfillment of God's promise to make his name known among the Gentiles. That, that this was just not an endeavor that Paul uh, just, just brought up in his own mind. But this was God's plan from the very beginning that his glory, that his name be praised from every tongue, tribe and nation. As we read this morning and as we see in the book of Revelation that that God's name will be praised from every tongue, tribe, and nation. And so we support global mission because it's God's plan for God's glory, for the nations, for the nations to receive the gospel. And so we should not stop giving, going, and praying until the work is finished. And the work is not finished. And in a minute, we'll talk a little bit more about what your role is um, in this. But I, I do want to just acknowledge here um, that God is still unfolding this plan. And there are still people that God desires to save through global missions. And like I said earlier, God may be forming in your heart and in your mind through the work of the Spirit. That, that you are to, just as Paul was called out. And was sent out that you may even this morning be feeling like God. Is this you in this moment calling me out to that? And uh, I, I hope and pray that there are some in here. And uh, not everyone is called to go. But we're all called to care, to support and encourage. And this, so the second thing I want to come to and moving quickly here. The second thing that I want us to see is that global missions is number one, it's Christ-centered, should be Christ-centered, and ultimately is about discipleship. Look at verse 16. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God, so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. The nations... The biggest need that the nations have is Jesus Christ. If there is someone coming in the name of missions that is not taking with them the name of Christ, then whatever mission they are purporting, although it may be a good thing, is not the ultimate thing. Christ Name, the gospel being proclaimed among the nations is what global missions is all about. And, and I want to give you an example of this this morning. One of the things that I was blown away by when I went with the youth to Haiti is uh, somebody told me, maybe it was John, somebody told me that I needed to try to get Pastor Rodney talking about um, what Grand Basin was like when he first started going there. Um, and And... As, as he did, as he started talking, he, he would have to walk many, many miles. He couldn't drive to Grand Basin. So he was walking many, many miles. There was no church. Um, the, the schooling was, was, was lacking if there was any schooling at all. Uh, there was no clinic, no medical center. And Pastor Rodney, in his faithfulness, carrying the gospel over and over and over and over and over again to this to this community in Grand Basin, that God brought many Haitians to himself. And that as God brought many Haitians to himself, a, a church was formed. And through partnerships with other uh, churches and missions organizations, uh, that they were able to do other things. They were able to open a clinic. And, and the purpose of the clinic is to help people to, to, to take care of physical needs. But the main purpose of that clinic is so that the name of Jesus Christ might be known. When the people are sitting, waiting for medical care, the gospel is presented. 
And they also started a school, a school where the name of Jesus is proclaimed to all these young boys and girls, these young Haitians. And so this really wonderful, wonderful example of what global missions is all about. One man with a passion for the gospel to be made known to a community over and over again labors. And you see the fruit of this labor and this community is changed for it. As these people have been loved on and Christ has been preached, the community has been reached. Not only is global missions Christ centered, but ultimately it's about disciple making. Look at verse 18. Paul says, for I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. Notice this resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and by deed. So global missions is global missions. The global missions endeavor is not just about people making decisions for Christ. It's about them becoming disciples. It's about churches being formed so that believers in these areas can be encouraged and to build one another up. And in Grand Basin, the the really cool thing to look at is that God is raising up young leaders as they've been discipled through this ministry, that they're they're that that this mission is going forward, that this church is, is rising up and. Uh, the, the trip I was on most recently that I won't name who I was with or where I was uh, for the sake of some security things. One of the one of the biggest blessings that I had was to hear about some of the pastor's work and some of these churches that were uh, semi underground and the discipling that was taking place and seeing these believers, these young believers mature and begin to to take their faith into areas within this country that are completely unreached by the gospel. These disciples, these disciples learning that the call, the call on our lives is to be disciple makers that we see in the book of Matthew and in the book of Acts. So global missions is Christ centered and ultimately it is about disciple making. And I'll I'll continue to bang this 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 gong over and over, but I want to say it here is that uh, these communities need long-term people, people who are going to be there long-term, who are going to stick it out and help establish churches. And in order to do this, they need money, prayer for protection against real dangers, and support from those who can, who can give it. The third thing, third thing that I want you to see this morning from this text, is that global missions is about the unity of the church. Global missions is about the unity of the church. There is no us and them in the family of God. Let's look at our text again. Look in verses 15 through 19 again. Paul says, but I have written you boldly. I've written very boldly to you on some points. So as to remind you again because of the grace that was given me from God. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. Ministering as a priest, the gospel of God, so that my offering, the Gentiles, may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. In the power of signs and wonders. In the power of the Spirit. So that from Jerusalem and around about as far as Lyricum. I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Now I want you to notice a few things about this text. That that may not be noticeable on first reading. Because I want you to hear what Paul is saying. One of the things that I want you to hear uh, early on in this text. Notice he uses the word priest. This is a, a Jewish designation. And what I think Paul is doing here by using this language, using this Jewish language is saying they're one of us. They're being brought into our family. Paul didn't view the Gentile believers as second class citizens. He viewed them as part of the church. Notice that he even calls them an offering and that this offering is sanctified and acceptable. In verse 19, where it talks about the powers of signs and wonders and, and the Holy Spirit. Do you remember at the Jerusalem Council, uh, what one of Paul's uh, key marks that the gospel was going to the Gentiles? 
Remember, it was the receiving of the Holy Spirit through many signs and wonders. And I can't help but think here in this text that as Paul is writing this uh, to the church here at Rome, that he's he's bringing this up to show they are sealed with the spirit. They are one of us. The gospel is going to the Gentiles. The gospel is going to where it has not yet gone. And the, the gospel is taking root and God is ransoming a people for himself. In verses 24 through 27, notice what was going on here. Uh, let's look at these verses real quick. Notice this. Whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing and to be helped by you on my way there when I have first enjoyed your company for a while. But now I'm going to Jerusalem. Notice this. Serving the saints for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution For the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. Yes, they were pleased to do so. And they have and they are indebted to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, they are indebted to minister to them also in their material needs. And what's going on here is not unlike what went on at Pentecost. Do you remember what went on at Pentecost? It said that they they all came together and had all things in common. And if anyone had need brother and sister in the Lord sold what they had to give to the other. And isn't this the example that Paul is telling us is taking place here? He's saying, I'm coming to you. I'm going to I'm wanting money from you to go to Spain to to, to reach people in Spain. I'm I'm wanting money from you. And then he says, I can't come yet because I've got to go to Jerusalem because I have money for the saints in Jerusalem who are suffering. We see that as Paul is painting this picture here, That it's about the unity of the church. God's goal is to ransom people that he's called for himself and his glory. There is one church, like the creed says. And the distinction is that this one church is made of many different ethnicities and backgrounds. Paul's heart was unity over the gospel and not ethnicity or culture. And so I think there's two takeaways from this. Two takeaways. First, we are to be concerned about global missions because we are indebted to it. We are indebted to it. If the gospel had not gone out from Jerusalem, we would not be here. The only reason that you have so many churches in America is because of missionary and gospel effort that and it's amazing to think about in such little time how far the gospel has spread. Secondly, we are to be concerned about global missions because believers in Iraq, Africa, India, they are our family. They are part of us. This is a family issue. And in many ways, and if you've ever been on uh, foreign soil and in, uh, in meeting folks, believers from across the world, in many ways, you or I would have more in common with a believer from Siberia than we should with our unsaved neighbor across the street. You understand that? You understand that? And so when we see or hear of brothers and sisters on the front line spreading the gospel. When we hear of need, we should feel deep in our bones they're part of us and be willing to support and give. There's unity. The the global missions is unity. It's about one church. Fourthly, fourthly, global missions is about sending people and not just money. Paul's calling was a unique calling, meaning that the call to go is not the calling for everyone. And and I want to real briefly read uh, several verses here. But uh, in in chapter 15, verse 8, For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers. I'm reading the wrong verse there. I'm going to move forward. 19 through 21. In the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and around about as far as Lyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. 
And thus I aspired to preach the gospel not where Christ was already named so that I would not build on another man's foundation. But at is but as it is written, they who had no news of him shall see and they who have not heard of him shall understand. For this reason, I have often been prevented from coming to you. Paul had a unique ministry and his ministry was to go to where the gospel had not yet been proclaimed. This is not this is not everyone's ministry. And I want to give some observations in, in chapter 19. I mean, in verse 19, it says, I fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Now, what in the world does that mean, Paul? Because I think a, a, a sloppy reading of this would mean we, we might take to mean that everyone that Paul preached to accepted the gospel. That's not what he means here. What he means is that his unique calling was to go to this place where no one else had been to go in to proclaim Christ. And that when he was there, some people responded to the gospel, band together, formed a church and Paul moves on to the next place. That is Paul's ministry. That's Paul's ministry. Paul meant that he had preached and, and, and left. Paul's role was not as a pastor or an elder. His role was to evangelize and move on. John uh, Piper brings up uh, an interesting thing that I, I think is right and and he says that you know we, we probably shouldn't use the language and I've been guilty of using this language in the past that we're all missionaries. And, and I think what he's wanting to preserve is uh, in, in our language that we mean something different by missionary than what we mean by disciple makers or, or those or, or evangelizers. We are all called to evangelize, right? We are all called to evangelize. I, I hope that if you've been here for any length of time that you have heard that. We're all called to be disciple makers. But we're all not called to be missionaries. In fact, in fact, as Paul was writing to young Timothy, does Paul tell Timothy, hey, you know, you've preached some good sermons. Many have uh, come to the Lord. Leave. No. What does Paul tell Timothy? Do the work of a what? Do the work of an evangelist. Stay put. Gather elders around you. Strengthen the church. You know, and as Paul is writing back to these churches. It's to strengthen the churches. But what we see is that that was not what Paul's role was as a pastor or an elder. Paul had a unique ministry where he was set apart as a missionary. And this task wasn't easy. It came at the cost of his health, his finances, and ultimately his life. His unique ministry was to name the name of Christ among the Gentiles. And that's why Paul could speak of these tasks being accomplished. Is that there were pockets of people, Christ followers, where there had formerly been none. And again, I am praying that some of you have this same passion and burden this morning. To go to where Christ has not yet been made known. Fifth, fifth. We should be bold in our sending and going because if we are involved in global missions, we are involved in God's work. Something that jumped off the page of this text to me as I was reading it is, is in verse 21. Look at what Paul quotes here. But as is written. They who had no news of him shall see. And they who have not heard shall understand. Paul's confidence, Paul's confidence was not in his ability to proclaim the gospel. Paul's confidence was in the God of the gospel he was proclaiming. And so as Paul went from town to town and suffered and, and went through various things, Paul could go and to keep going because he knew that this plan, this plan for God making a name for himself among the nations was God's plan. And that gave Paul the confidence to go. Um, uh, we don't have time to look into it this morning, but one of my favorite examples of this is found in Acts chapter 18. And um, 
In Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 10, there's this really cool um, interaction to where uh, 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 Paul was evangelizing and people weren't coming to faith and, uh, and there was discouragement and frustration. And then God breaks in and says, look, I have a people in this city. Meaning, meaning, Paul, you just proclaim the word. You just keep going, keep proclaiming the word. And I'm doing the work of bringing them to myself. So frontier missions is the knowledge that God is working and he will accomplish his work. And lastly, lastly, we've read these verses, but we'll read them again in this context. Lastly, is that God uses the church to accomplish his work in global missions. Look again at verses 24 through 27. And again, notice what is going on here. Whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing. And notice, I I want to point out, in in chapter 1, Paul says, I long to see you. And does it strike you that then in chapter 15, he says, when I go to Spain, I hope to see you in passing. (laughs) I, I believe it's both. I believe that Paul longs to see these folks to whom he's writing this letter. But I believe that Paul has this mission on his brain. And that is bigger uh, than, than, than hanging out with them. But let's keep going. Whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing. And to be helped on my way there by you. So we first see this. Look, Paul's expectation under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Is that the local church in Rome will help him in his mission to reach the nations. Particularly here Spain. But now I'm going to Jerusalem serving the saints for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, they were pleased to do so. They are indebted to them for they for if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, they are indebted to minister them also in material things. And so we see very plainly from this text that God uses the church to accomplish his work. Now. What is your role? What is your role this morning? I hope you see from this brief uh, uh, look into Romans 15 that you see that, that, that you have a role in global missions. And, and I want to talk about three things specifically. The first thing I want to talk about is funding. Now, sometimes it's difficult for preachers... For some preachers, and I would say for Gary and I, um, since I've been here, you haven't heard Gary or I have a sermon on giving, right? It's uncomfortable. I know many of you say it shouldn't be. Whatever. It's uncomfortable. This sermon that concludes with a proclamation to give is easy. It's easy because the money given to missions goes right out goes right out and it's 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 our purpose it's it's what we love to do and so it's easy for me to say that one of the ways that our church needs to be involved needs to continue to be involved is in giving and that we saw that if paul was talking about here the these churches that the model of the new testament church the model of the new testament church is that there's this reciprocation among churches that are very different and very distinct and that those who have should give to those who do not have. And so we should be giving to not only frontier missions where the gospel is going, where it hasn't gone before, and we should also be giving to established churches uh, throughout the globe who may have a need that we have and we can meet. You know, the 20th century... 20th century, in the 20th century, I know we're in the 21st century, but in the 20th century, the history of missions was marked, was marked by the prosperity of America. That is America as a prosperous country that you have had churches um, who did not hoard up treasures for themselves, but released not only not only money, but men and women to the cause of missions. And our prayer is that we must continue that endeavor. 
Do you ever ask the question, and you may not, and if you don't, you need to. Do you ever ask the question, why are we so blessed? And I think that one of the reasons for that, the reasons we're so blessed as a country and as a church, is that God is blessing us so that we can filter that money and talents and treasures through us to the nations. That, that, that God has, in, in this day and age, for this time period, has blessed us so that we can give. And we must continue to do that. We must continue to help out churches in need and we must continue to help out um, missionaries that are spreading the gospel. You know, one of the other great things about the elders of this church um, is that when we have an abundance in the budget, um, the first question that or not question, but the, the first thing that comes to all of our minds is how can we give this away? And that may cause some of you to have a little bit of a heart attack, but we believe that's why we've been given. Um, and, you know, uh, and I love that. I love that the restraints need to be, um, whoa, 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 are you sure we can give that much versus trying to convince people to give, right? So that's how we are as a church. These are the men you're led by, and I hope that this is how you are individually. So the goal the goal of this church is is to encourage you to personally and then corporately as a church to increase the amount of money going to global missions. Um, it just uh, we're, we're not near this. Well, there's a caveat. I've been told, Lewis, we might be nearer to that than what you think. My goal, um, my goal as, as one of your pastors is that 50 percent of what we bring in goes out. That's my goal. Um, uh, and Gary and I have talked about that. We would love nothing more than than that to be the goal. Um, and uh, and then someone brought to my mind, and this is true. I mean, you all are such a giving people that if I'm not saying you need to do this, you hear me saying this. Lewis is not saying you need to do this. Okay, but if all the giving you did came through the church to global missions, I've been told we might be near that. Which is amazing. Lewis is not saying you need to do that. <laughs> keep giving to the church. We're going to be giving the money away. But also keep giving personally. Um, uh, it's, it's a good thing as a family. Uh, to be giving to uh, global missions. Through the church and then individually. So, so the first thing we're to do is to give. The second thing we're to do is to pray. And, and I think this takes two important things. The first thing it takes. And I don't know if you think about it in this way. But the first thing that it takes is education. And I want to point out two easy resources for you this morning. One, have you seen these little blue sheets around? Our missions committee does this great job of putting out this missions in a nutshell where we can go through here and we, all of our missionaries are laid out on here and what their needs are, are here. And what I want to encourage you, and so my family doesn't know this yet, but one of the things I've been convicted of is that I want to start taking this and going through a family a week. And so that my family and I are praying through uh, the needs. So first is the Atiyahs. It's in alphabetical order. So we're going to be praying for Fozzie and Linda and we're going to, Continue to pray for them and we'll pray for them as a family. Uh, another way uh, uh, educationally that you can be helped in this is through a really cool app. <laughs> well, it, I don't have it in the app and I've had too many emails since then. But I get one every day from a group called the Joshua Project. And if you go online to the Joshua Project and they will you can set up. And what will happen is they will send you out an email every day. Um, and it's an unreached people of the day. And they've got some really cool stuff in here, like definitions of what's considered unreached and, and all of these things. And so I, I, I would implore you to go to this site and sign up. And then it gives you, uh, I should have picked a better day, the Nisu Xinping in China. And so what it does is it tells you a little bit about the group. It tells you ministry obstacles, outreach ideas, how to pray. And then it gives you a scripture and a gospel focus. It gives you a picture of the people and then some statistic about them. 
just a really great way to keep missions on the forefront of your brain that this email will come to your device or your computer every single day. The other thing is getting to know missionaries personally. Have them in your home. Have them in your home. Uh, get in dialogue with them. And what will happen is that it will blend you together and it will cause you to pray for them. Uh, the, the other thing here is reading books or listen to biographies about missionaries you, to, to really understand the, the cause of Christ in the role of global missions. Um, uh, there's, I don't know the name of the book, and Silas might be able to tell me, but uh, I, I got to go and read to his class, uh, his first grade class, and we read this book, and it was... It had A through Z for, for every letter and unreached people group. Uh, and it describes for little kids. It described the people group. Um, and at the very end, it said they do not yet have the, the Bible in their own language. And so as I was reading to the class, I was reading and I'd ask them to give me fun facts. And then we would stop and pray that God would somehow get the uh, Bible to them in their language and send missionaries. You know, I think with our kids, missionaries should be their heroes. I pray that's the case with my kids. Um, I, I had a conversation with a, a man um, uh, who was sending his uh, child uh, to a, a private school, um, the same school that my son goes to, and um, I'm trying to be a little vague here uh, to... Um, but he told me, uh, uh, you know, I'm paying all this money for my kid to go to school here. Uh, I hope he doesn't become a blank. And I won't even tell you what he said. It was an occupation. And number, first of all, I felt like, well, that's really degrading, you know. I mean, and then as I thought about that comment as I was driving away, you know, nothing would warm my heart more. He, he was speaking of, um, he was speaking of, uh, there's a wasp. <laughs> he was not speaking of the wasp. He was speaking of that he's paying all this money that 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 he wants his kid to be able to make all this money. And as I left, one of the things that I thought about is this. I'm paying this money for my child to go to this private school. I would love nothing more than for him to be coming to you all to beg for money so that he could go do mission work. If that education sets him up for that, we need Really good, educated young men and women going to frontline missions. And so it's a mindset. Get missions in the bloodstream of your children. Get it in the bloodstream of your children. There's also really good books that you can give them to read that are really good about um, some of the early days of frontier missions. So, so number one, there needs to be education. And number two, there needs to be a plan. So not only an education, but a plan on how we're going to pray for them. Because I think if we just say we're going to pray, it's going to slip through the cracks. And then the last thing is this. The last thing that we need to be doing is that we need to be going on short-term, intermediate, and long-term mission trips. So, so what, what I'm hoping here, that's not the proper way to say that. That I hope that you all will be involved in short-term, intermediate, and long-term missions. Short term being uh, some of the trips we provide, like in the summer, the youth uh, going to Haiti. Um, next year, there's going to be a trip to Greece uh, to go to work with our missionaries there. That sort of thing, to get involved and, and to do that, that is a blessing. We do those trips with a purpose. It's not sightseeing. There's a purpose in these trips. Um, second, intermediate. A lot of people don't think this is a, this is a newer category. But there's all sorts of need these days for people to go on the mission field for a year or two years at a time. There are several families that we know that are doing this right now, that they just take a year, they take a break out of life and go for a year. And there's need for that. And then, and then, long term, again, my prayer would be, would be that some of you, some of you, even this morning, would be thinking in that way. Now, in closing, uh, in closing, I want to twist your arm a little more. <laughs> you know, I think um, when it comes to giving and praying, uh, I'm going to use another southern term here, uh, that that's a no-brainer. That, you know, that's, that's, just, that's just given. I, I, I think the one that, that I need to put before you and we need to put before you more often is 
this consideration of going and going long term. I think every family or every person in this room at several times in their life should ask themselves, God, is this what you have for me? I think if we're not doing that, that may say something about us that we think we've got our plan all figured out and that God may and that God God may not be drawing you into a certain direction. My assumption would be is that if we all earnestly did that, that there would not be a, a, a huge number of people from among us who were led to go that way. So hear me say that. But I do believe that some of you, some of you are being equipped and called to go. And so I would just pray this morning as this emphasis on missions Sunday that you would make that a part of who you are. And lastly, come to the missions thing tonight. <laughs> this is a wonderful way to set aside an evening to really, uh, I can't give you all the details. Uh, BG and Gary have been trying to finagle some of this out of me because I know things that they don't know. Uh, and I'm holding that over their head until this evening. They're involved and they don't even know what their involvement is, which I think is kind of funny too. Um, but not only is it going to be a time of, of, of fun, but there's going to be a way for you to be able to bless our missionaries. And the other thing is it puts you in contact. It, 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 it educates you. It's going to educate you about our missionaries in ways that are just invaluable. And so please come and be a part of that tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. God, help us not to be ethnocentric help us not to only think of ourselves and our own communities but god help us to think about your church how you view your church as wide god is um, a people from all tongues nations and tribes god i thank you for the men and women of this church and the course that they have put this church on. God, I pray that, Lord, those of us here will continue that path and that we'll continue to increase upon this path of global missions for your name and for your glory. God, I pray, Lord, that we would resist the temptation of, uh, of, of taking any glory upon ourselves, but that, God, we would give all the glory and honor to you. God, it's in your son's name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.